Good morning and welcome to the December 27th episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show, where we are on a mission to teach, learn, and remember the history of professional wrestling with everyone that wants to join us. My name is Ryan Joy, and on today's episode, we're talking about something that ended on this very day in 1998. And we all know the saying, all good things come to an end. Of course, we like to ride the high of that proverbial good thing just as long as we possibly can. In the wrestling business, that usually means milking an angle to draw the most money possible. Something extraordinary in the world of pro wrestling ended on this day in 1998. But before we get to the events of December 27, 1998 edition of WCW Starcade, let's roll the clock back about 18 months. In August of 1997, Bret Hart was at the center of the WWE Universe. He battled The Undertaker at SummerSlam and was on his way to Montreal for the Survivor Series. That roller coaster hadn't quite gone off the track yet. On the other channel, TNT, WCW was already number one in the industry. And to quote Brian Alvarez in the Death of WCW book, Bischoff was about to stumble upon yet another success, one that would ensure the health of WCW for years to come. Bill Goldberg, the former Atlanta Falcon turned power plant trainee, debuted on the August 22nd Nitro in a 2 minute and 24 second win over Hugh Morris. End quote. In his role backstage, Kevin Sullivan described Morris as the perfect first opponent for a very, very green Bill Goldberg because, as Kevin put it, Bill would do good by him. For the most part, the Goldberg presentation was in place from the very beginning. Yes, it would become more epic over time when we would see Goldberg take his long walk from the dressing room to the curtain, all while accompanied by a security escort, walk through an impressive display of pyro while breathing in the pyro smoke, only to breathe it out like a mighty dragon headed to the ring to devour his opponents in a fiery two to three minute display of brute force. All of that while the fans chant Goldberg in a repetitive frenzy that you could rarely expect in today's professional wrestling landscape. Okay, so I guess the full presentation wasn't quite there yet, but you still had the Goldberg take a lonesome and quiet walk to the ring, destroy his opponent, and then walk back without uttering a word to the thousands of fans in attendance. In fact, on this night, Alvarez recalls Goldberg raising up a single finger as if to say, that's one. When Goldberg raised that finger, I wonder if he had any clue that he would never be able to continue raising fingers to match his win record over the next year and a half. Gene Okerlund stood in the aisle, hoping to catch a word from Goldberg after his impressive debut over Hugh Morris, but Goldberg just walked out without saying a word. He was all business and wouldn't say anything for a year. So that's day one with Bill Goldberg, and his meteoric rise would see Goldberg colliding with Hulk Hogan for the WCW Championship 10 months later in front of the fourth largest pro wrestling crowd in the history of the United States, and that was on free television. Goldberg defeated Scott Hall earlier in the night and, of course, earned the W against Hogan to become the world champion. But I have, up to this point, sort of glossed over the most important aspect of Goldberg's early WCW run. His streak. Over the years, we've heard a million people say wins and losses don't matter. And I'll concede that they often matter a lot less than we fans want to believe. But in the case of Bill Goldberg, his wins were his gimmick. He never lost, and fans loved watching him plow over someone new each week. It was a great two to three minutes of TV. Back to another Alvarez quote. In their efforts to push Goldberg to the moon, WCW made some critical mistakes. 
Ever since the announcers had mentioned that he was 60-0, fans with way too much time to spare had begun to keep track of his winning streak. These fans were so hardcore that they even kept track of his untelevised house show wins. It was fun to see fans so interested in a character, especially one that WCW had created from the ground up. Of course, since WCW created it, they also had to kill it. End quote. What would WCW do in order to make Goldberg's streak seem more impressive? WCW started adding imaginary victories to the tally. Once fans realized the funky accounting, they stopped bringing signs and stopped engaging with the streak. The same thing happened when WCW piped in Goldberg chants to make the already impressive chant sound, well, more impressive. And it did sound more impressive, but once fans caught on to the piped-in noise, they stopped chanting. So while it sounded impressive, it didn't really look impressive with massively loud chants going on while we could clearly see that the fans' mouths weren't moving. And that brings me to Starcade 98, the day the music sort of died in a way. The event took place in Washington, D.C. at the MCI Center. Wrestling Observer readers rated it with an overwhelmingly high 83% thumbs down, which was actually a little better than the World War III pay-per-view from the previous month that scored an 86%, but it was a little worse, far, far worse than the Halloween Havoc two months prior that only scored a 63% thumbs down. You get the idea, though. By this time, December 27, 1998, WCW was slipping. Goldberg was set to defend his world championship against Kevin Nash, and Goldberg had the upper hand for most of the match. But after three run-ins from Disco Inferno, Bam Bam Bigelow, and finally Scott Hall with a cattle prod, after all that, Kevin hit the big jackknife powerbomb for the victory. The streak was over at 173 wins, many of which were imaginary and zero losses. The bad part about ending the streak is you can't get it back. It's one of those rare pro wrestling things where you just can't book your way out of a bad finish. Years later, Bobby Heenan would say the fans weren't tired of him. They were buying tickets to see him, buying his shirts, chanting his name, but some people don't care about that. Kevin Sullivan said it was like the Titanic hitting the iceberg. Eric Bischoff, the guy who discovered Goldberg in an Atlanta nightclub, told Sullivan that people are going to get sick of him winning and they're going to turn against him. Alvarez tends to agree with Sullivan and Heenan, citing Goldberg's loss as the first bullet, and he said that another barrage of bullets was about to hit the company in a very short period of time. And so it goes. The now famous Goldberg streak ended on this day in 1998. It carries a legacy such that fans, persons in media, and even people in the business refer to a win streak as a Goldberg now. It, it's a term usually used when we're talking about a hot new prospect. They should just Goldberg this guy and get him straight to the top. But again, once the streak was over, you couldn't get it back. And unfortunately for WCW, they didn't even use the streak to get a, a new guy over. Kevin Nash was already established, so big deal if he can cheat and beat Goldberg. And for my money, this was the beginning of the end for WCW. And yes, Mr. Sullivan, it was like the Titanic hitting the iceberg. And that's our show for December 27th. If you care to continue the conversation about Bill Goldberg with John, myself, and other listeners of this show, then I'd invite you to join the Daily Wrestling News Show Facebook group. You can get there by going to facebook.com slash groups slash wrestling news show, or you can just search for Daily Wrestling News Show in the search bar. Either way, if we don't see you there, we will see you right back here for another episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show.